0: Thank you, team. Awesome. Well, yes, we, we have been using our uh, Friday nights as a bit of an education, a foundational point, uh, really, for everyone, um, especially you guys, uh, our young people. And um, I've really enjoyed it. I, I've enjoyed getting through some of these interesting topics. I've enjoyed getting some interesting questions and uh, we're going to have question time again this term. So if you guys have, honestly, any any questions about God or the Bible or church or Christianity, then uh, shoot them on through and uh, and we'll try and find a good answer for them. Because I like the idea that a church is a bit of a two-way conversation in our service. And uh, I want to hear your questions so that we can have people on the same page. So the last two weeks, we've had a bit of a different format involving a bit of fun and games, some trivia, some Bible knowledge, and some pizza. But tonight, we are going to be back to our regular format for the term, um, which I'm excited about. So we're going to tackle an interesting question uh, tonight, following on from last term, which is, what is the church? What is the church? I think we've got some slides awesome so if i was to ask you this question i'm sure there's a lot of different answers that would pop into your mind you might think of a fancy building with stained glass windows and a cross on the top you might think of some sort of group or club that you join and become a part of you might think of services, maybe a weird way of thinking of it is that you could subscribe to the services of the church with your tithes. I don't know, that's a bit of an interesting thought I had. Maybe you think of a non-for-profit type organisation that helps the poor and the needy. Maybe, maybe you think of it as a laid-back school for teaching about the Bible. Uh, or a traditional and sometimes judgmental religious organisation of some type. Uh, And if you Google this, uh, and I've Googled this, you get this definition coming up here. So you pop church into Google and you get a building used for public Christian worship, a particular Christian organization with its own clergy buildings, distinctive doctrines, the hierarchy of the clergy within a particular Christian church or an institutionalized religion As a political or social force? I found it very interesting that the top answer straight away is it's a building. The church is a building used for public Christian worship. What most people think about when you mention church is some type of time and place it's a service, it's a building, it's an organization. But I want to tell you tonight that that is not what the church is. That might have been what the definition has morphed into over the years and the centuries, but that is not what the church began as, and that is not what the church is meant to be today. The church is not a time and a place. It is something quite different. So I want to uh, cast your memories back to quite a few weeks ago. And uh, if you weren't here, I'll try and recap a little bit. But we established some really key points about God's story. So God, he makes this earthly family. He's like, yep, I'm going to make humans. They're going to be awesome. I'm going to make them, and I'm going to make a universe. And God's intention was to rule the universe and take care of the universe through us, through his earthly family. We were to be his image bearers the ones who have his image his likeness we're meant to represent god in the world remember that story i told about how whenever my parents would drop me off before i had my peas, or even when i went out with my my P license they would say to me on the way out the door hey remember whose representative you are remember whose representative you are well, well you guys remember you represent god That's that's God's intention with us. And that was his intention at the beginning, that we would represent him and we would look after the world. We would create things. We would build order out of chaos. We would uh, rule over things like he would. But rebellion happened. There was a spiritual rebellion and an earthly rebellion, just a lot of rebellion flying everywhere. And the result was that we now had to suffer the consequences which were death, the corruption of our righteousness and a separation from God. And at the Tower of Babel, we see that now when we're no longer his people. God didn't have a people anymore. They were all divided up and spread out all over the world. But God had a plan to redeem all of the world. And he chose Abraham to start a new people through. A new nation that through that nation, every other nation in the world would be able to come back into God's family. And as if you read your Old Testament, it's full of these little clues and these little hints that God would place in about what he was going to do. No one knew really that Jesus was going to come and what it was going to be like, but God put these clues in place so that when the time was right and Jesus could come, he could be there and it would all make sense that he was there to save all of us. And through what he did, we were all able to be redeemed. And we could now be adopted into God's family. We would no longer have to deal with the problem of eternal death and with the corruption of our righteousness and our separation from God. We could be his people again. And so we pick up at the beginning of what is our New Testament, 2,000 years ago. Jesus has just left. He's gone back up to heaven. He said, hey, disciples, I've got a mission for you. You're going to be great. I'm going to send a helper. Be right back one day. And I don't know the time or the hour. And so Jesus disappears and the disciples are left there. And they're like, they're changed. They're changed people. They are not the same as they were before. They've just spent time with Jesus and he's transformed who they are. The way they think, the way they look at the world, the way they understand what God's plan is has totally changed. They've now found freedom. They've now found purpose. And they're seeing miracles happen right before their eyes. And so we have this group of people, these new believers in Jesus, the first believers. And they began to do life together. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we can see what that life looked like. From verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves, which means they made a deliberate choice to give their life to something. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, the apostles had just literally spent three years walking, eating, sleeping around. (laughs) That's not a very good term. With Jesus. Sleeping in the same place as Jesus. And (laughs) there you go. Everyone have your laugh. I stopped it just before I got there. But they had experienced life with Jesus. So they knew firsthand what he was about. And so everyone who wasn't there with Jesus is saying, hey, apostles, teach us. What did Jesus talk about? What did he say? How did he eat his bread? I don't know. Tell me everything about this Jesus guy. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to do life together, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They would come together and they would They would pray for each other. They would pray and and converse with God and have communion with God. And they followed the practice that Jesus set. Their meals had meaning. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. This wasn't just like a nice self-help information they got. This, This was actual miracles going on. Signs and wonders that God's kingdom was here. It was on its way and it was here. All who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Interesting how they would come together in the temple, but then they would also do life together in their homes. There was this time when they gathered together like we are here tonight. And then they would still do life together in their homes. Church didn't finish when the service finished. That's like what we have our saying, you know, the service is over. But church continues. Church was an everyday thing for them. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church was very exciting times. There was this energy in the air. And when they came together, they would worship God together. They were just so thankful for what God had done and how he had changed them. He would changed the world. And their, their default response was to just praise and worship God. They shared testimonies of the awesome things God had done. And they took care of the needs of those in their community. These were the everyday activities that they did. This was not like, you know, they had a special program and in a month's time we're going to have a nice little working band and we're going to look after Charlotte's house. No, this was just how they lived their life every day. This was who they were now. My notes are upside down. Now, in the New Testament, there was no building called a church. The church was... The assembly of believers. The word church in Greek is the word ecclesia. Hands up if you heard that word before, ecclesia. Yep, if you hear it a bit more, it'll get a little easier. This word ecclesia, it means a gathering. I like the shaking of the heads. Ah, oh, what a dumb dad joke. At least I didn't say other things. So, ecclesia means a gathering or an assembly of people. And It had two kind of contexts for which it was used. Now, it's very important to know the context of a particular word that you find in the Bible because sometimes, like imagine this, right? Here's a slight tangent. It's the year 4032, right? Way in the future. And someone picks up this ancient news fragment on an old website in the back door of the internet and they read that, you know, on this particular date in the year 2020, the Panthers played against the Dragons. Okay, the Raiders, let's go. The Panthers played against the Raiders. And they're like, oh my goodness, I wonder what happened. Like, they're trying to figure this out. Like, well, there was actual Panthers? I know that was some extinct black cat-like animal. And, 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 they, and they, were, they went up against these Raiders. I mean, we, we've also got these other fragments about these Vikings that lived in, in Europe. And, so, and, and they imagine this battle about these actual panthers fighting against these Vikings, right? That, obviously, we know that's silly. But if they didn't have the context that we have today, no one would be able to understand that news article, right? So it's the same thing with the Bible. If you don't understand the context of a particular word, you can just go, here, here's a word, panther, look up the dictionary meaning. Oh, it means a black scary cat animal. Okay, cool. But that completely misses the point. Anyway, back to the message. So this word Ecclesia, it kind of had two contexts. One was the local church. It was a local gathering of of believers. So, you know, the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the church at Windsor. It would be a local group of believers. But then sometimes it had another meaning, which was the global church. It's like all believers from all time in all places. You and I are part of the church. This universal term that we are united with people who aren't even alive today. So there's two kind of contexts for this word ecclesia. But never did it mean a building. So here's some analogies to help you understand this. And I'm going to use the theme of the Avengers, right? Because we all can relate to the superheroes in our movies. So... When Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Black Panther, Hulk, Hawkeye, and all the other less cool ones, assemble together, they form what? The Avengers. And Captain America, what does he say, you know, in that massive scene we saw the other week? Avengers, assemble. He says assemble, right? It's a little bit of a lame word, even when Captain America says it, but... By themselves, you know, Thor, he's not the Avengers, he's Thor. Tony Stark, he's Tony Stark. They're not the Avengers until they assemble together. You individually are not the church. I'm not the church. But when we assemble together, we become the church. You following? Now, let's continue. So the Avengers, they meet and do their operations at Avengers HQ. The place that they go to is not called Avengers. Hey, uh, where are you going to meet me, Spider-Man? Okay, I'll meet you at Avengers. They don't say that. That's silly. It doesn't make any sense. Just like that, we, we don't meet at church. Hey, I am going to see you at church. When we say that, it doesn't really make sense. It's like the Hulk saying to Iron Man, hey, I'll, I'll meet you at Avengers. In reality, I think maybe we should be calling this Church HQ, right? We've got Avengers HQ, that's where the Avengers meet. Well, this is kind of Church HQ, it's where the church meets. Now, sometimes Avengers HQ has some problems. Sometimes it gets destroyed, blown up, disintegrated, moved into another dimension. Sometimes it's Tony Stark's Stark Tower, other times they have to go underground and hide. Avengers HQ changes from time to time, depending on what comic or movie you're watching or reading. Uh, and, and regardless of where Avengers HQ is, it doesn't change who the Avengers are, right? The same thing applies to the church. Our headquarters might be this building here. It might be a school over in Penrith or up in the mountains. It might be in someone's home or in a park out in the public. Hey, with COVID-19, church might even happen online online. But where our HQ is doesn't change the fact that we are still the church. Making sense? Awesome. You can always rely on the uh, Avengers to help make sense of the Bible, right? Where we meet should not change who we are. So we've kind of established the fact that the church is a people. In fact, they're God's people and they're God's family that he's chosen to reunite all the nations back together but that leaves us with another question of what does the church do how does the church be the church how do the avengers avenge right and so i've got in in classical uh sermon style three things that the church does you can remember these i don't know i think like a triangle has three points it's easy to remember a nice little shape Three points are really easy to preach about. And I think it kind of is all-encompassing of what the church does in these three points. So let's get into it. Three things that the church does. The first thing is that they worship God. The church worships God. I spoke a message, uh, I think it was just on Sunday, about how worship is actually sacrifice. Worship is when you give up something to make God number one in your life. It's always about number one. Worship is not singing a song. What we did just now, it was worship, but it wasn't because we were singing a song. It's because we chose to give an offering or a sacrifice to God by maybe getting out of our comfort zone a little bit, taking this time out of our week, using our voices, although not too loud because we don't want to spread COVID, playing instruments, getting up on, on production team. We we offered God some worship, and it's meant to cost us something. That's what the church did. They were so grateful for how much God had transformed their lives. Imagine, you're, you're you know, you've lived in a town your whole life, and you know, yeah, that's, that's blind Bartimaeus over there. And that guy over there, he's never been out of walk. And these Romans that are all around and they're oppressing us and our people are being, uh, you know, overlorded by these Roman occupation and they're making us do things we don't want to do. And last week, my cousin was killed because he got on the bad side of one of the Roman guards. And you're living in this state of fear and this state of hopelessness. And you're kind of like, where is God? And now all of a sudden... God has shown up as a human and blind Bartimaeus is no longer blind. That guy can now walk. People are getting healed everywhere. And now it doesn't even matter that the Romans are occupying us because we've inherited an internal kingdom. I don't have to worry about my sin. I've been completely forgiven. I don't have to worry about all that bad stuff that I did because it's completely wiped clean. Now I have a a purpose. God loves me. I'm a part of this awesome family we're calling the church. Like, Can you just put yourself in those kind of shoes for a moment? Would you be thankful? Would you be blown away like, oh my goodness, the world has changed. What I thought was the world then and what I know the world to be now is completely different. Because I've met Jesus. The church couldn't help but just praise God. It's like God have everything. You want one? Here, have two. Have more. Have every God. You can have every single part of me. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to use my body. I'm going to jump around. I'm going to do whatever it takes because I just want to give God everything. I want to give you my time. I want to give you my energy. I want to give you my dreams and my future. God, you can have it all because you've given me everything. The church just has to worship God because it's made up of people who've had a genuine encounter with Him. They've met Jesus 2,000 years ago and today. You've met him face to face and he has permanently changed you. You have felt freedom for the first time. You've felt genuine purpose for the first time. And so you have to worship. This is what happened to the early church. They made Jesus number one in every part of their lives. Who's seen the Schmidty Werben Jagerman Jensen episode of Spongebob. Wow. You guys need to go home into, you, into YouTube and type Smitty Werben Jagerman Jensen and watch that episode of Spongebob. It is so good. I think we watched it on repeat on one of our family holidays because he was number one. That's what that cap is for, by the way. It's from Spongebob. Yeah, 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 you know. Good, thank you. Some older people who are closer to my age. Jesus is number one. if you can hear SpongeBob saying that, then you'll remember it. That's what worship is. It's making God number one in every area of your life. And the church got creative. It's like, okay, how can we worship God together? Like, I can do it on my own in my own life, but could we come together And make something that honors and lifts God's name up. And this morphed and changed through the years. I imagine they probably had some kind of Middle Eastern guitar at the beginning there, maybe. And then they could sing. They could clap. They could uh, say all the awesome things that God is doing in testimony. And then through the ages, you know, Christians were inspired to build these magnificent buildings. And it wasn't because they wanted to show anything off other than the fact that they wanted God to be known as awesome. So we see these awesome buildings of history and the whole purpose was worship. It was, I want the world to know that God is number one of us. He is number one. And so they built these awesome buildings. Now today we have all these new, different, amazing instruments that were never heard of 2,000 years ago. We've got this electronic piano stuff that can make any sound in the world. We've got sound systems. Boom! Boom! We've got cameras and lights and and all sorts of graphics and cool stuff. And we come together and we contribute a little bit of what I can do and a little bit of what you can do. And we pull off this awesome sound and these awesome things that we get to see and the atmosphere of this place. We create it, not because we're good, but because God needs to be made number one. So I encourage you, if, if you're not like serving in any of the areas of the things that we do in this service if if you think yeah i can i can point a camera except when jesse's on because he just walks back and forward too much i can't handle that but it, you know another preacher i can i can deal with that Lindsay, you know what i'm talking about i can i can design a graphic i mean i do it on my instagram all the time you know like I could i could put something together i can i can click next for the lyrics i just need to learn a song and then i can click next i can do something I can give a little bit of something because I just want to worship God. I want God to be known as great. And this is what my family does to do that. Does that make sense? We've already got awesome, heaps of awesome people on our team. But come on, there's something that you can do. Maybe you can paint. I've seen there's some churches. They like have full on, I think it's a bit crazy, but hey, power to them they fall and have like an empty canvas like maybe one on each side and these insanely good artists in the middle of their worship set they just start painting stuff and they're like worshiping like this you know like you know and they're just like maybe just on their on their face and they just like i don't know it's crazy you can youtube that as well but like that's their worship that's their part to give i don't know if you want to do that maybe maybe if you're good at dancing we can bring the actions back to the songs i don't know It could be lame, but who cares? It's sacrifice. It's a worship to God. Anyway, I think you guys get it. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is portrayed as this bridegroom. It's the story about the lamps. And and then in Ephesians 5, we see that parallel taken further where, where Jesus and the church are considered like husband and wife. And and that analogy is there because that's the kind of relationship that we're meant to have. The most intense, powerful, and committed relationship a human being can have is in marriage. And God is saying, that's what I want to have with my church. That's why we worship him. Number two, so number one, the church worships God. you ready for the slide? It's going to be a bit funny, I think. Number two is the church... Loves each other like family. I'll let you take that in. They love each other like family. We read in that that passage in Acts just before about how they just started to sell their stuff. It's like, hey, I've got a bit of extra this and a bit of extra that. And I noticed that you don't have enough. So like, hey, have some of my stuff. You don't have enough food to eat? Have some of my food. You don't have the latest trending jacket? Here, I've got got a spare one. I can deal with one. I don't need two. They just started to help each other out. They pulled their things together, not because God said, thou shalt have everything in common and you shall all be a socialized nation. God didn't say any of that. This was just their natural response was to help other people. They didn't need to be told to do it. It was like, hey, we're family. We're family now. In fact, a lot of, you know what? A lot of the early church Christians, to become a Christian meant that their entire family would disown them. I don't, I don't want to know you. I don't want to speak to you again. You are dead to me. If your family said that to you, would you still be a Christian? That's what they had to do. A lot of them had to give up their family, but they gained another one. And so they were so grateful, like, oh, my gosh, I've been rejected by my family because I've chosen to follow Jesus. But I found family again in the church. These are my brothers. These are my sisters. That's my uncle, my grandma. These are my kids in the spirit or whatever. I'm going to treat these like my nieces and nephews. And their response was to just do life together every day. Hey, what are you doing today? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go fishing because I don't have anything to eat. Awesome, I'm coming too. They shared meals together and they remembered Jesus together. They had fun together. It wasn't all just serious. They they did life. And they helped teach each other how to live a better way. Hey, remember what Jesus taught? He said that we should do this and that. Oh, you're yeah, right. They helped each other live the best way, have this abundant life that Jesus promised by following his commands what if we were a church that helped each other live the best lives possible you've got skills i've got skills what if we pulled them a little bit i could teach you how to do maths and play music and computer code maybe i can teach you a little bit about the bible read a bit of it maybe you can fix my car maybe you can install a light bulb the church should be doing life together and helping each other out. Maybe you know how to add 10 kilos to my squat, you know? Give me that info. Like, This is, I think, I believe, that's what the church should be about. It's not like, hey, see you next Sunday. It's like, hey, what are you doing on Thursday night? Do you want to have dinner? Hey, I've had this issue, but I know you've got the expertise to help it. Can you, would you mind? You know, when I have an electrical need... I don't go to Google and say electricians in Penrith. I go to one of my several electrician friends in our church. I call up Brad Smith or Harry Mack. You know, I I go to them for the advice. Why? Because why would I pay some random person that I don't know, and I don't know what they're going to use the money for, when I could pay somebody to do the job that I know who's part of my church family? I think that makes sense. We should help each other. Because that's what family does. The church loves each other like family. And the third thing, the last thing for tonight, is that the church show people the way. The way that these early Christians lived got people's attention. The world around them noticed they started to even give them nicknames. It was a little bit in jest. They called them Christians, which meant something similar to, like, oh, you're Little Christ, mini-me of Jesus. Oh, yeah, there's Little Christ. Here they go again. There's Little Christ jumping over there, doing all this. Oh, you must be a Little Christ, eh? And it was kind of a bit like a poking fun. And they just kind of embraced it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Little Christ. I want to be like Jesus. Yeah, I'll be a little, I'll be a Christian. Other people call them people of the way, which I think is really cool. Like, Oh, are you one of the way? This is the way. Mandalorian is just so, so cool. But I think that vibe, if you've seen the Mandalorian, the vibe of their culture, I think that's what church culture was and should be like. It's like, hey, this is the way. Yeah, it's hard, but this is the way. We were going to go and do that. Yeah, but this is the way. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, this is the way. Because he is the way, right? Jesus said it. I am the way. He gave them that line, right? I am the way. He is the way. They have a reputation. I believe that Christians should be an example and an inspiration to the world about how to live. We should be. We should live better. Not because we're earning our way into heaven, but because The world needs to be encouraged and inspired that there is a better way and that we've got it. It's our responsibility to live that way, to live the way that Jesus told us to because this is the way. He is the way. In Colossians chapter 1, we get another analogy for the church where it calls us Christ's body. It says that he is the head, the one that, is doing the thinking, the planning, the deciding about where we're gonna go. But where the body, where the hands and the feet, where the lungs, where the all the different little parts, the knees and other things. We are God's body, and our role is to be his hands and feet where we are, to do what he would be doing if he were where we are, being led by the head, which is Jesus. Awesome. So, three things the church does. They worship God. They love each other like family. And they show people the way. I've got something to uh, leave you with that I've created, if the band wants to jump back up. And uh, I want you to have a bit of a reflection on these things. All of these things that the early church did was not because God wrote them a letter and said, this is how you're meant to be the church. It was because they encountered God. He was real to them. The freedom they felt was real. The purpose they received was real. And this is the natural response of that. And maybe you don't, if you look at yourself, you're not really being the church. Maybe you haven't been. This is not a message to say, well, here's all the things you need to start doing. That's not what this message is. This is a message to say, hey, this is who you are. And all you need to do is re-encounter Jesus to get back in touch with Him to build that relationship that you have with Him and to put Him into number one spot again. And then your natural response is to do these things and to be this. That is who we are, church. It's who we already are. And all we need to do is just understand that and embrace it. So I've been reading a lot of children's stories lately as a dad of three children and the oldest one is three. There's a lot of them and some of them are quite enjoyable and some of them I hate. Can't believe they were even written and published, rubbish. But it's inspired me. And I was working the other day washing trucks with Harry Mack and Judah and, uh, and this just popped into my head, this poem in the flavor of a Dr. Seuss book, okay? So I've written the words, they're gonna ha- come up on the screen, and this this is kind of summarizing what the church is. And I want to leave this with you, and then I'm gonna hand back over to Amy. So are you ready? <clears throat> Get in your like child, childlike zone, because you're gonna hear a child story. It's titled The Church is not a time and a place. The church is not a time and a place and a place not a club to join or attendance based it's more than a bunch of traditions of faith though is known to partake in dinnertime grace the church is not a service or two with band and lights and production crew the church is not a what but a who and a service is something they happily do The church is a family who do life together through good times and bad times, no matter the weather, saved from destruction forever and ever, a kingdom united under God's umbrella. The church has the answer. It carries the truth that God loves the world and makes everything new. The church is the vessel God's chosen to use. The church is me the church is you thank you